Chapter 7 The Life Factory I am a self-admitted linear thinker. Logic works for me, and the thoughtful process of lean thinking has served me well in my business, at home, and in my personal life. At the same time, so you don't think I'm a machine, I'm also a musician, songwriter, artist, and I consider myself tilted heavily on the artistic side. I am very passionate, and I approach everything with great enthusiasm. It really never occurred to me that a manufacturing process could be applied to my life, let alone my relationships. So here goes one of my boldest experiments. We are all on the shop floor building our life. A few of us have been producing mountains of defects and many elements from our health to our relationships resemble a car that is running on five cylinders when it's a 454 V8. The muffler has been tied up with bailing wire and three out of the four tires are flat. Just like the car I described, our relationships are running, but they certainly are not the first car most would choose to go out for a good time in let alone a long cross-country trip. These life cars need some serious work. The people making them have been poorly trained and have literally been thrown onto the manufacturing line. Hey, there's some parts, now go figure it out. After putting together this new jalopy, they're expected to drive it for a lifetime. This is akin to putting someone with a beginner's driver's license into a Ferrari on the start line of a Formula One race. Needless to say, the outcome would be disastrous at best. Another way of looking at it may be a little more comical. The way we choose our mates is sometimes almost ridiculous, even ludicrous, when you really stop to think about it. Wow. That girl is cute. She's got a nice rack, nice legs, pretty smile. She's friendly. Hey, buddy, you better look under the hood. There's a lot more to it than that. It turns out the electrical system was made by the English. The drivetrain was made by the Italians. The loan department was managed by the Greeks. Efficiency standards were designed by the Americans. And the cost of maintenance is closely aligned to an expensive German car. Hey, guess what? You got one hell of a problem on your hands if you're going to buy that car. Talk about politically incorrect. (laughs) That was about the most politically incorrect thing anybody could ever say. But it's the truth. Back on script. Guaranteed, there's a lot more to it than looks, the pretty smile, and great humor. There are other things that are just as important. For starters, the first thing men should do is carefully evaluate her mother. Girls, take a close look at the father and particularly how the father relates to the mother. If either of you ignore these points, you will do it to your own peril. Just recently, I interviewed a 38-year-old woman from Taiwan who was married for only three years before she got a divorce. I asked, Vivian, why? She replied, I don't know. I just lost the spark. I spent hours trying to figure out what could cause this beautiful woman to leave her good-looking husband with a successful career. For all intents and purposes, they had it all going on. Money, looks, career, travel. But for whatever reason, it only lasted three years. I asked her what would make her happy, and she said, I'm not sure. 
This is not some ditzy girl. She is a highly educated, bright financial analyst that speaks four languages and predicted the 2008 stock market crash. How could seemingly smart, educated people not be able to answer this simple question? This really lies at the crux of the issue. We really don't know ourselves. Being the persistent person I am, I continued to ask Vivian at some point if she could tell me what went wrong. Approximately a year later, she sent me a message detailing her thoughts and gave me the permission to share it with you. To say the least, I am so thankful and appreciate Vivian's honesty and candor. There was so much to learn from her answers. As you read them, just imagine if she had this document before she got married and she knew what was deeply important to her. Just imagine if her future husband read those words. So there would be a deep understanding on his part as well. Then imagine if her husband had also written a document outlining his innermost thoughts and shared it with her. I think there would have been a much higher likelihood of harmony or a very early realization that the match was not really as good as it needed to be. Vivian's answer. The things that make me happy. Number one, achieving something that I once thought was impossible. Number two, someone gives me his soul. Number three, achieving a goal. Number four, Knowing someone will always be the pillar I can lean on. Number five. Someone who respects all my wishes and does not judge me by his own opinions, even if they're silly. Number six. Feeling like I am doing what I was born to do. Number seven. Seeing the good in people. Number eight. Meeting new people and chatting with them about their life and their work experiences. Number nine, negotiating and meeting a mutually beneficial agreement. Number 10, going on an adventure. Number 11, losing myself and focusing completely on something like learning a new foreign language. Number 12, anything Egypt. Number 13, anything Carmel. Number 14, the sound of rain when I'm inside the house. And number 15, taking a bath. Vivian concluded by saying that number five was by far the most important. Someone who respects all my wishes and does not judge me. I honestly believe that deep down inside we're all little boys and little girls who want to run, play, and express ourselves. We want to take on a childlike curiosity, yet we need someone beside us who is not only willing to let us do that, but supports and encourages us to do it. I ask you, how long did it really take Vivian to write this out? 10 or 15 minutes? In just 10 or 15 minutes and your life could be changed? This is exactly how I started my Are You Happy document. These 14 points are really just a starting point. From here, you can develop how you will achieve each one of these points. And all of a sudden, the document becomes a clear process sheet 
for how you are going to do your life better. In the lean world, what really happens was Vivian pulled the Andon cord. It's as if she said, I'm done producing defects. I'm going to find out what the real issues are and solve them now. You might even find that this will be the most therapeutic thing you've ever done. And it's a whole lot cheaper than going to the shrink who's going to get you to blame everything on your parents. Another guy in his mid-30s who I've been mentoring for quite a while was ready to get married and found a very nice girl that he wanted to settle down with. He counseled extensively with me and another friend of mine who was in his mid-50s. We gave him our best advice for hours on end. All he wanted to do was tell us about how great this girl was, but that she was a little crazy and really emotionally up and down. Not a lot of stability, but that she had so many other positive attributes. I will never forget my friend's reply back to him. Hey, Bob, I married the same kind of girl, and 30 years later, I can't even negotiate a shower. I'm so freaking pissed off, I can't even begin to tell you. We warned Bob over and over again that this did not look positive. Today, Bob calls me regularly to tell me, after only two years of marriage, all the problems they're having. I want to hang up on Bob. I said, you wasted my time. I did everything to warn you, and you didn't listen to a word I said. Bob replies, I know. I screwed up big time. I interviewed another guy, Jim, 75 years old, very successful insurance sales guy, and I asked him, what would make him happy? What does he want from a woman? He replied with total clarity, peace. Jim was on his third marriage and finally figured out the most important thing to him was harmony at home. I replied back to Jim, What took you so long to figure this out? He said, I don't know. I just never thought about it till now. Newsflash. Start thinking about it and thinking about it a lot. You need to make sure you know what it is that will make you happy. And you need to make extra sure that you marry someone who is closely aligned with what it is you value. It's ironic in the lean world, we use the value stream map and spend time mapping out the whole value for the customer, but we never ask ourselves what is of real value for us. I have come to learn that it is one of the most important things that we put it down on paper in black and white. Stories just go on and on. This one is probably the most outrageous of all. One time, I was flying back first class from Mexico, and I struck up a conversation with a 70-year-old man who was sitting next to me. He was the president of a $1 billion consulting company, one of the most famous in the U.S. He, too, was on his third marriage. I asked him, what is the one thing you want in a woman? He said, I want them to go with me. I asked him to explain, and he replied, With my first marriage, as my career started to take on a steep trajectory, I began to travel all over the world, and my wife was not particularly interested in going with me. One plus one equals two. 
This is all very basic math. You get it? I then went on to repeat the same mistake with my second wife. I married a woman who did not want to go with me. Finally, on my third marriage, I found a woman who likes to travel and loves the excitement of going to new places and meeting lots of interesting people. The interesting thing about this guy, he was a super expert on lean. He never thought of applying basic value stream mapping to who he would select to be his life partner. Frankly, I can't pick on him too hard because I didn't either until I started writing this book. Remember what the subtitle of this book is. Exercise this muscle. If you choose to ignore your brain and follow your emotions, you will follow your emotions to 10x misery. Humor me for a moment. Our relationships are not some mystical happening. Rather, they are the result of the things we do and don't do. They are a product of our efforts or lack thereof. Bad relationships are the result of poorly ill-conceived processes set in place by ignorance, or worse, by laziness and a lack of effort, or in some cases, total stupidity. I think most people spend about the same amount of time working on a life process for developing a great relationship as they do ordering a burger at In-N-Out Burger. Come on! This is the most important thing in our life. This is the person you will spend a lifetime with. It's deserving of serious rigor and diligence. Having been around fast cars and raced them a fair amount, I know there are a few basic things you need to know, and if you want to get those basics down, you can do pretty well. Don't break when you're cornering. Smooth is fast. Eyes up. Look beyond where you're driving. There is no difference in relationships. There are a few basics men need to know and know well. I wrote this book not because I know what those basic operating principles were, but because I wanted to discover them for my own relationship. I have found it incredibly fascinating that some of the very core principles of lean manufacturing apply perfectly and directly to having a great relationship. Respect. Overproduction, excess inventory, just in time, kata, routine. All of these concepts are remarkably relevant to how we build a great life. I'm going to go off script real quick just to kind of give you a little bit of my sense of the relevance of these terms. Respect, we've talked about that. If you don't approach your partner with a deep and abiding respect no different than you would treat somebody at work who you know the essence of a successful relationship will be founded on your ability to listen to their ideas and consider their ideas, you're not going to go anywhere with your relationship. So respect, number one, overproduction. We talked about that already. We buy all this crap and we overproduce and then we have to manage it all whether it be your wife producing excess emotion and baggage because of your lack of respect, or whether it be physical overproduction with the things we buy that we think will make us happy. Less is more. Just in time. 
the ability to be spontaneous and respond exactly to what the customer needs when the customer needs it in a timely fashion. But we clutter our life up with so much stuff we can't experience just in time because we're managing all the crap in our garage and closets. Kata or routine. This idea of developing habits that support excellence at work. Ah, how about developing kata and routines that develop excellence in our relationships, in the way we manage our health? It's all very basic. They all directly apply. So if you're a lean thinker and you're reading this book, you should be like, wow, I get it. Because when I started really thinking deeply about this, I said, wow, I haven't been very respectful to my wife. Matter of fact, I've been a real idiot to my wife. I treat the people at work with more respect than I treat my wife. I treat the people at work with more respect than I treat my children. But when you get the respect component at a high level and consistently at home and at work, I'm telling you, magic will happen. Back on script. Frankly, it's not that the Toyota production system or lean manufacturing is the greatest business management concept in the world. It's great because it obeys the laws of nature. When someone understands the basic physics, mathematics, and science and leverages them to better serve you, it's hard to ignore their benefits. Lean thinking is simply having respect for the laws of nature. You can dismiss, disregard, marginalize the workings of the universe, but the laws of nature are the laws of nature, and it makes a lot more sense to understand them than it does to pretend they don't exist. Unfortunately, like many men, I have been pretty good at ignoring nature. It appears by our actions that many of us have thought it's easier to be thick-headed about how to treat a woman and build a great relationship. Like many men, I dismiss females as highly emotional, irrational partners who require genius-level knowledge and the same heads-up attention of a highly trained pilot flying a 747 with all its complex knobs, buttons, and computer screens. Oh, sh- what's happening now? If your position from the outset is that you screwed up and you want to learn and improve, then maybe my words might be helpful. I haven't even finished writing the book, and I've learned so much about myself and life. It is making my head spin. I just wish I had this insight when I was 18. Knowing what I know now would have saved me a lot of pain and suffering, and more importantly, I would have had a lot more joy and happiness. My intention is simple. How can we have a super happy and fulfilling life in all regards? The answer is, know yourself. I find it interesting that when I teach people about how to do lean, the first thing they want to do is always point out all the waste in somebody else's department. I always say to them, forget about everyone else. You have enough waste in your own life for 10 lifetimes. In the very same way, our first priority is 
first know yourself and develop processes that support our most important needs. What so many of us do is ignore the source of the problem, which is ourself, and try to fix somebody else. Caution! This will never work. Your waste, your problems, first. This is not intended to be a scientific approach. Rather, it is just a regular guy asking some tough questions and getting some surprising answers. As in all my books, I try to identify first the value and the non-value-added activity. I also do my best to identify those things which are waste and do not add value to the desired outcome. One of the two pillars of lean manufacturing is respect for people. If at any point you don't respect your partner, you're going to die a slow death. Disrespect is the number one non-value-added activity, and you will pay dearly and proportionally for your escapades. On the other hand, if you get the respect component right, you're going to have a very good life. I have a very simple but cogent analogy for you to fully understand respect. In my second book, Lean Health, I said all you need to do is treat your body like a Ferrari. You would never put anything in a Ferrari that wasn't absolutely the best fuel. If you do the same thing with the way you fuel your body, you'd have a fantastic outcome, and this would be treating your body with deep respect. In Lean Life, I think we need to do the same thing. We need to treat our partner with a deep and abiding respect. And the way I've come to understand this is by visualizing my partner as a Ferrari. If I had one, I would treat it with deep and abiding respect. I would be very careful never to get into the car with muddy boots or greasy hands. I would always make sure it was polished to perfection. It would never be damaged by a careless door ding. If you think of your partner, the one you love dearly, in the same fashion, you would never say anything harsh or treat her flippantly. She's your Ferrari. You need to cherish her in the very same way. A friend of mine, Thomas, read this chapter before it was published and felt that this point was particularly helpful. He said, Paul, you know, I have a very good relationship with my wife, Jenny but I don't think I treat her like a Ferrari, maybe more like a Toyota Corolla. Jenny is very reliable, very dependable, and I think maybe I take her for granted, and I don't have that specialness that you talk about when you refer to treating the one you love like a Ferrari. Honestly, Thomas's retort made me pause and realize, I think I treat my wife like a Toyota Corolla too. I think I would have avoided a lot of pain and trouble if I would have had a deep and abiding protective respect for my wife. Bottom line, our mates become familiar to us and we become a little flippant and careless. My good friend Christine told me something that I've never been able to forget. She said, Paul, never hurt a woman. They never fully heal. When I think of the words Christine spoke to me, I think of them in the context of taking a hammer to my beautiful Ferrari. I would never do that. But essentially, 
Isn't that what we do to our partners when we blow up or talk down to them? We say things that we should never say. I am guilty as anyone of doing this. But now that I have this paradigm shift, it is helping me to think more clearly about what I've really done in the past and what I'm going to do from here on out. Treat the ones you love like a prized Ferrari. The one thing. First, know yourself.